Why do I have us do that? Um, maybe it brought back some laughs for you from some of the, the first formation things. Uh, maybe there was a sense of nostalgia and even beauty where you're like, oh, I remember uh, the beautiful way that I was brought into the faith. Maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, maybe for some of you that, hey, I actually never learned about that. Nobody ever taught me that. I just kind of picked it up as I went along. Uh, maybe some of you were like, yo, it got real crazy when we came to prayer, but I never heard anything about hospitality. Some people might say, hey, I spent some time in that whole shared life thing. I didn't know we had to do that. I thought we showed up on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, and if you were super spiritual, you packed in that Sunday night deal too, uh, I didn't realize that there was actually shared life, that the people of God were meant to overlap life in normal stuff. I thought we just went to services together. Uh, and other people might have fun stories about communion um, because there's a whole different bunch of ways that that's practiced in churches throughout the world. We're not going to go play by play through all your fun stories, though we're welcome to do that some other time. Uh, what I want us to see and take with us is that we were all every one of us have been formed with some way of understanding these base practices of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And there are probably, including our kids who are here who are being raised up in Missio, we don't have it all right, we don't have it all perfect, we don't have it all dialed in. There's gonna be both things that are beautiful and maybe some brokenness. Uh, maybe some things that have led to life in our life and maybe some things that we want to avoid passing on to the next generation. Uh, but here's what I want to make us, just have us remember that as disciples of Jesus, we are meant to pass these things on to others. And if we don't think about how we're doing it, we will do it the same way that we were raised up. Uh, those of you that are parents, have you ever found yourself saying something that you never thought you'd say, but it's something your parents said to you before? And you're like, where did that come from? That first formation hangs deep. And so as we're formed in the gospel, the hope is that we can do it in a way that leads to life around these things. We've been reminding ourselves that when we come to Acts 2.42, it's not a standalone text. It's built on two chapters already in the book where we've seen that there is a new king. His name is Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended. Uh, we saw that there is a new presence and a new power. God's spirit has been poured out on his people. This isn't something that they just look forward to one day, that God would be present with them. But his spirit was given as a deposit on the day of Pentecost where God's own spirit filled up his church to do the work that he had sent them out to do. We had seen that Jesus is the hero of the story. Scripture had been telling a story from creation all the way through to this point, and Jesus is the hero of that. He is the rescuer, the redeemer, the one who would make all right what was broken in creation and even what was fragmented in us, that he is a great healer, but that he also brought the kingdom of God with him. And then he formed a new community, and so this is the church, the people of God now, filled with God's spirit, sent with God's mission throughout creation. And so the question came, how do they live that out? Acts 2.42, you can read it in your Bible or you can follow along on the screen. It'll be the exact same. The text right before this says, many other words, he warned them, that's Peter, and he pleaded with them, that's people that were listening. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message of the gospel were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We said this snapshot shows this devoted community who was brand new and walking with Jesus, but very excited to do so. And these are some of the practices that they had early on in their lives. So last week we taught what it looks like to be a devoted people. If you listened online or you were here, you got a great snapshot of that. If you were here, you might have even got some Oreos thrown out to you. Uh, that was an exciting highlight. It was like competing with Jesus. Like there were, Jesus is the king of the earth. Hey man, you can have some Oreos. Hey man, it was, it was pretty tight. Uh, I'm not sure which one left more memory burn. I don't have any Oreos today. Um, I know, but I do have Jesus. Does that, no? Um, I got done teaching last week, sent that out to a few different people. And as people listened to it and gave some different feedback, uh, one of the, the best pieces of feedback I got was this. Uh, it said, hey, I can see very clearly, I can see very clearly that this is the kind of community we're supposed to be. Like from the teaching, from the spirit affirming that, from a desire and even a uh, sense within them that they were feeling like that is a compelling view of what it looks like to be a human in the church like that is exciting it draws me in I like that but how do I do that and my first answer was one of just talking through hey we actually have um, some of the vehicles that we want to live this out with and so our church is made up of smaller communities, missio communities. They're, they're smaller groups of people that are in DNA groups where they discover from God's word, nurture relationships, and then act in light of that. And so we've, we've got these different practices or these different uh, environments set up where you can enter into these practices alongside others. And we really see that's where Jesus is changing us to be more in the image of Jesus. And it's for the sake of others. And, and I loved it because the, the question that came back was, that's really good. But what I'm talking about is like, how do I do that? I've been in and around the church, but I don't know how to devote myself to like the Bible, the teachings. Like I open it up, I listen to it. That was the honest, I listen to it. And then I try to remember something of it and go forward. And prayer, it seems like everybody else knows this secret language to pray in. Uh, everybody else seems to know how to do that. When we all go to pray, everybody else I'm around knows how to do that but nobody ever actually showed me how do I pray. Uh, we didn't get to the other two in the conversation because something that sparked in my mind uh, was something that we've talked a lot about recently just because I'm coaching in football. And remember, I talked about how we had to go back to the actual basics of this is a football, that's an end zone. We want to move this ball to that end. It happens as you hike the ball between your legs to the other person, then they throw it down the field or hand it off. Those very basic things because why would a kid ever know to play football if they've never played? That is a really weird sport. Um, then they tie flags around their waist and have to run around from other kids. Like that makes no sense unless you've been taught what's going on. And, and I realize so much of that is true as we follow Jesus as well. And so rather than just blazing ahead and saying, yeah, like, yeah, like you'll figure it out, go for it. Uh, I wanna give us the next few minutes 
and I'm going to give two really simple, tangible tools for us, one around studying scripture, one around prayer. If you're like, yeah, I've been following Jesus for forever, there's something in here for you as well. If you want to take extra notes, you're welcome to do that as well, because I want us to not just know about the ideas or how important it is for us to be shaped by what God has to say about how we are to live as his new creation people. Uh, remember, these would be brand new believers. And so for them, there was absolutely a sense of, I don't know what it means for Jesus to be king, but you just preached that message. Something woke up in me, and now I want to respond. What does it look like? Unpack the scripture for me. Show me. These people didn't have the whole Bible, and so they leaned into the teaching of the apostles where they explained what the resurrection had to do with the rest of the story of God. What does it mean? They didn't have a category for just wanting to learn about God and his story. Their goal was never just information. Life was way too hard to just learn a bunch more theory. But what they wanted to do was actually know God and grow up in maturity of what it looked like to have life shaped by him and his kingdom. Uh, for some of us growing up, maybe the way that we were often taught about the Bible was that the goal of it was to know a lot of it. But what can often be missed in that is that the real response is that we're supposed to be obedient to it. To not just know the good we ought to do, but actually do it. Jesus' brother James actually says the one who knows the good they ought to do, but doesn't do it, they're like the person that looks in a mirror and then walks away and instantly forget what they look like. That makes no sense. Uh, instead, we ought to see what is Jesus inviting us into? At times, what is he commanding of us? And then our goal as followers of Jesus, disciples throughout history, the aim was never just to know a bunch, but to be obedient to what we do know. That was the mark of maturity. And so this particular tool is something we put together that helps to shape together, hey, if I was to sit down with a passage of scripture, what would I even do? Uh, what is it that I would look at? What is it that I would come to? How do I approach it? Um, th catch this, and we say it pretty clearly in here. What we're, first things first, under that, what we're about to share is one way to approach reading your Bible. It is not the only way, nor is it the right way, but it is a really good way. It's really helpful. And so this is not the only sole thing. This is not like preaching out of the text of scripture and saying, thus saith the Lord, but this is something that's super helpful for us. The first thing is to choose a text of scripture, to pick a passage. And so maybe it would be Acts 2, 42 through 47, like what we're studying right now, to open your Bible up, to pick a passage. Uh, maybe it's a text that you're studying together with your friends. Maybe it's something that uh, you had a question about and you looked up to say, what does the Bible say about blank? It uh, doesn't do good just to read a bunch of other people's thoughts on things all the time. But, but hear this, through scripture, God actually wants to speak to you. This is something that God uses to communicate with you as a daughter or you as a son. His voice being heard through the text of scripture. We want to hear from God and that's why we come to the text. So choose a passage. And then we always encourage a first step when doing this isn't just to start getting on with it and start hitting play and listening or start reading, but take a moment and pray. What does that mean? Be silent before God. Uh, admit where you're at in that moment, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, what you wanna ask of him, why you're even gathering with him, or be silent in his presence without a need to speak. 
But that orientation before God makes a massive shift in how we approach the text and whether we're bringing our own stuff that we want to read into it or what it actually says. Remember, the Spirit inspired the words of Scripture in the first place, and now He will be with you to enlighten your mind to what it was said, but also to allow God to speak to you through that. There's something beautiful in that. Don't miss that. And then read it and listen to it. Uh, we found it's helpful to listen to a text or read it multiple times, not just once, and then be done. Uh, if what you're looking for is a real quick fix and to hit it and then run out of there and be good to go, uh, that's not often how God works in these things. It's a slow down space to be with him. Listen to it if you can and read it. A lot of times our eyes pick up what our ears miss or our ears pick up what our eyes miss when it comes to a text. Uh, we encourage you to find uh, where are you at in the story again. Uh, this is something that's true for us, whether we're kids coming to a text or adults. Where in the story of God are we? Those symbols that go along the bottom, uh, creation being the first one, rebellion, Genesis 3 through 11. Are we in the promise, Genesis 12 through Malachi 4? Uh, why would that matter? Because if we're in that text, Jesus hasn't even come yet. Uh, and so that's kind of a big clue that we'd be missing at that point. The Gospels tell us the story of Jesus, uh, his life and his death and his resurrection. Acts and the epistles tell us the story of the church. And so a lot of what we read in that part of the Bible is immediately applicable to us, though there's a bit of a culture gap. But a lot of that's spoken to people that are in the same age of the story as us. Or the book of Revelation or different parts of Peter or John speak to what happened in the future. And so locating where are we at in that story is a key part for us because we say that matters because it gives us some clues as to what we're looking for. Working our way down, what does it say? What does the text actually say? And then continuing to process. Um, we encourage a lot of times at that point in time to try to restate the story or the text that you read in your own words. Uh, can I restate it in my own words? The stories of Jesus are beautiful for this. Can you restate the story of Jesus and tell it again to someone else? And then if you've been around Missio, you know that we often use these four questions. Uh, four questions to help us understand and dig even deeper into the text. In this story, what did God do? How does he reveal himself? And then what does that tell us about who he is? Uh, thinking about the story even of Acts, we realize it says in that story that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What does God do? God saves people. And he's a saving God, a rescuing God. What did he do in that story? He saved people, formed a community, sent the spirit. We talked about that. And so this is just a helpful way for us even as we process to realize, oh, all this is taking place then who are we in that story? We're, we're the saved, we're the church, we're those who are committing to this kind of life together. Then how do we live? That's how we came up with these different practices that we're talking about each and every week, like being devoted to the word of God, being devoted to prayer, being devoted to the table, being devoted to fellowship came out of studying the text this way. And this isn't something that just people who teach from the front of a room can do. This is something accessible to any of us who wanna understand God from his story. Working down the last two steps are what a lot of times get dropped off when it comes to Bible study. Because let's be honest, how many of us have studied the Bible or looked at a text and said, all right, cool, I know what it says now. I got it, I'm good, let's roll. 
without ever getting to the point of what Bible study is, which isn't just to know about God, but to know him, not just to learn what you should do, but to actually follow through and obey. And so the next two steps help us get to that. Implications and obedience. What is it that this text, what should followers of Jesus do after listening or reading this story? What is it that we should do with what we just learned? Is there a direct command? Those ones are easy. Thou shalt not lie. Guess what? You shouldn't lie. That one's not tricky. Uh, there's other ones that might seem like, I'm not sure. Let me wrestle with this some more. Again, that's the point of praying and asking the Spirit, not just using our mind, but allowing the Spirit to speak to us through the text, to pause, to pray, to ask Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? And then the last step on there, pass it on. Uh, asking God, I spent time with you today. You taught me something. I see how I'm supposed to live in obedience to this. But then asking, is there someone else that the God wants me to communicate his good news to after he taught me? Because that's the work of being a disciple and making disciples. To hear from God and what he has to say and then teaching others to do the same. And the hope would be that as we have something like this, a model that we learn to hear the voice of God for ourselves and that we can be devoted to what the Bible says, uh, not because somebody else has told us what to do or because we listen to all the YouTube videos of our favorite teacher preacher, but because we as followers of Jesus have learned to hear his voice for ourselves. Does that make sense? This is not, like I said, the only way to do it. This is a way. And if you want somebody to help God, you're like, yo, that actually seemed long. Um, one, yeah, there is some time involved whenever we learn anything. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. Would you guys turn back to those groups that you were just in? Imagine with me uh, that you had somebody come up to you who just started following Jesus. Just started following Jesus. Maybe they're in your MC and they just started following Jesus. And they say, hey, I know praying is really important for a follower of Jesus. What is one thing, not all the things, what is one thing that you would say I should know about praying? And then they look at you with that look in their eyes because you're the guide that can lead them towards a growing relationship with Jesus because of what you're about to share is so good. Or it's so simple that it will be forever etched in their mind because they're asking. So uh, what would you say, though? What is one thing that you hold to be really, really important in a praying life? I just looked at the clock, so I'm going to pull you guys back. Because <laughs> some of you do have games recording because it's game seven. I know. Uh, what, would you guys shout out, what were some of the things that you said that came to mind? Hey, this is really important for us to know as a praying people. And again, why am I doing this? Because you have been, many of you have been following Jesus for uh, days, weeks, months, years, and have a lot of experience too. And it's not just one person who tells everybody else how to do things, but we together are following Jesus and learning from each other is really, really important for a community of faith. So uh, what was something that came to mind? Uh, if you need the mic, you're like, I don't want to yell over the air conditioning. Put your hand up and I'll give it to you. If you're deathly afraid, I'll lean in and repeat it. But uh, what came to mind? What's important with prayer? One or two, three, four? We'll cap it at four. Four things. Your prayer life is going to be different than someone else's. You mean it's not just cut and paste? No. Yeah, and don't be shamed by that, right? 
You're going to hear about some old head that was like praying at 4 a.m. That doesn't mean that you have to do that. Unless you are up at 4 a.m., then by all means do that. Anybody else ever felt bad because they didn't wake up early enough to pray and that's what everybody that was really holy seemed to do? Yeah. All right. Uh, what's another thing? It doesn't matter how long your prayer is. It's still a prayer. Thank you. Yes. Jesus actually talked about don't pray too long in too many fancy words because nobody cares. Um, God cares. But it's not about your fancy words. And you don't have to have a really, really long prayer in order for God to really listen to you. It's not like a school assignment. It doesn't need to be two paragraphs. Uh, the most popular prayer in history is help me. Get it. All right. So what else? We got two more. Sorry. Posture. posture. What do you mean? Yeah, your posture matters and it's a relationship. Like the different ways that you have your body physically will affect the way that you pray without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Enter into his presence with praise and worship. Mm. Prayer isn't always about you. Come on now. Yeah, that's beautiful. When we pray, remember who we're praying to and entering with praise and worship is so good. Also, uh, I would just say, I know it's implicit and somebody else said it, but I'm cutting you off. Uh, prayer is talking and listening, right? It's not just blast off your laundry list, but God actually wants to talk to you, which means that if we pause, he'll speak back. Addie uh, and I were talking while we were coloring at our MC on Wednesday night. We were together. Um, she's, how old is Addie? 11, uh, and we were talking and we were going through different questions that were based off of the, the handout that we had last week. How often do you pray? Because that was one of the things. Do you hear God's voice when you pray? She goes, yes. Which was like, that's awesome. And so this one wasn't on the sheet, but I gave the feedback. I was like, so what does his voice sound like? She goes, I don't know. I just know it's him. Which is like a beautiful answer, right? Like I couldn't give you the actor that he sounds like, but I am absolutely certain that he speaks to me as an 11-year-old when I'm reading scripture and when I'm singing were the two times, which is just beautiful. There's a lot to be parsed out from that. I would say it's well worth a dinner conversation or two asking what have we learned as we've grown as people of prayer. Yeah.